Hey, this is David Pakman inviting you to enjoy a classic episode of The David Pakman Show today. We will return with new shows before you know it. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. We are down to just the last four days of this campaign, but it may be more than four days until we know the final results in every state. And that's okay. It's a modern thing that people even expect to know the results on Election Day. And this year in particular, because there are so many mail in ballots because of the global hundred year pandemic, roughly 80 million people have already voted. And some states like Pennsylvania, because they don't start counting those mail in votes until the polls close on Tuesday, might not have results for a few days. And that's okay. But it's not okay for Donald Trump because that is exactly the window of opportunity he is planning on to steal this election. Here is Donald Trump. Don't take my word for it. Here is Trump himself saying, hopefully, we will get courts to stop the counting of ballots that arrive after Election Day or even just ballots that arrived on time but weren't counted before the end of Election Day. Here's Trump himself saying it. Hopefully the few states remaining that want to take a lot of time after November 3rd to count ballots that won't be allowed by the various courts, because, as you know, we're in courts on that. We just had a big victory yesterday in Wisconsin on that matter. So hopefully that won't be happening. Okay. now later on today, I'm going to talk about how, of course, mail in ballots should be counted after Election Day, as long as they are postmarked by Election Day. You have the law is you have until Election Day itself to vote. You shouldn't be penalized for delays in the mail. But the point here is that Donald Trump is not trying to hide it. And when I've asked Congresswoman Debbie McCarcel Powell about this, I asked Mayor Eric Garcetti about this, I asked Congressman Ruben Gallego about this. Is Biden ready with lawyers? They all say, yes, he is. And that may well be true. But what if it gets to the Supreme Court, which now has three of Donald Trump's nominated justices on it, and they get to decide the outcome of these ballots in this election? Donald Trump's plan is to block legally cast ballots from counting. That is election fraud. That is voter suppression. That is election suppression. It is against the law, but they are trying to build public support for stopping the counting of these ballots by pretending there would be something wrong with counting them after Election Day. This is always the case, by the way, that this happens. The only difference is that this time there's more mail in ballots than ever because of the pandemic and Donald Trump, although now his postmaster general says he stopped. Donald Trump's postmaster general was interfering with the post office's ability to handle mail. So it might take a little bit longer. It might actually make a difference in a couple of states that we don't get all of the ballots counted on election night. Now, some good news in terms of rulings. The Supreme Court late Wednesday said both North Carolina and Pennsylvania uh, will be allowed to extend their arrival deadlines for the mail in ballots. Again, we're not changing the postmark date. You still have to fill it out and mail it by election day. 
but they're extending the transit deadline, essentially. Increasingly, it really could be Pennsylvania. That is the big one here. Pennsylvania could decide the winner. In fact, there's lots of electoral vote scenarios which we will go through where it comes down to Pennsylvania and secretary of uh, pencil of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, K- Kathy Bookvar, said she expects the overwhelming majority of votes will be counted by Friday, November 6th. It's just a few days, but we could actually be waiting for Pennsylvania, depending on how the election goes. I would prefer it not be that close, but it might be eight states expect to have at least 98 percent of unofficial results by noon Wednesday, only eight. 22 states in D.C. allow postmarked ballots to arrive after Election Day. So the timing is going to depend on when voters return them. New York and Alaska aren't going to report any mail in votes on election night. Shouldn't make a difference. Alaska is going to Trump. New York is going very, very powerfully uh, to Joe Biden. Full results from Michigan are expected to take several days. If you combine now Pennsylvania and Michigan, You really have many scenarios from an electoral map standpoint where we don't know the results until we know Michigan and Pennsylvania. Uh, If you say at this point, what are the odds networks will announce a president elect on election night? I would say about 65 percent. I think there's a 65 percent chance it's it's not close. And we know on election night, I think there's a 35 percent chance we know at some point after that every vote must be counted. They are being clear about their strategy. And I, I really hope I know the members of Congress are telling me Biden's got the lawyers ready. I hope he has the right lawyers ready. I hope he has enough lawyers ready because it's going to be a mess during a Senate hearing on Wednesday. Republican Senator Mike Lee, I guess, recovered from coronavirus, said fact checking is a form of censorship. This is one of the guys who loves wearing no mask. He caught coronavirus. He went to a Senate hearing, didn't wear a mask, despite having been diagnosed with the virus just days earlier. Complete total clown show. Um, On Wednesday, there was a hearing held with the CEOs of Twitter, Facebook and Google. The topic was Section 230. As you know, Donald Trump has been talking about repeal Section 230. It relates to a legal responsibility to social media companies for the content that's published. But what it led to was a lot of Republicans going mask off, not just literally, not just literally, but also mask off figuratively. Here's Mike Lee saying fact checking is a form of censorship. Uh, and when I use the word censor here, I, I, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, block content, fact check uh, or label content or uh, demonetize websites. Fact checking, labeling something not trustworthy, saying something is untrue. It is all censorship to Mike Lee. So let me sort of interpret this for you in realistic terms. When your entire worldview is based on falsehoods and your entire political movement is based on lying to people in order to get them to vote for you. Yeah, fact checking is a problem for you, but it's not censorship. If I say, for example, Mike Lee perpetrated the non-existent Bowling Green massacre. Remember when uh, Kellyanne Conway made up the Bowling Green massacre? If I say Mike Lee perpetrated that, If I get fact checked, is that censorship? Of course not. And Ted Cruz at the hearing stated sort of uh, 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 he started going in the same direction. Really, really dangerous now because you are seeing more and more of the Republican Party push this idea. Republicans don't actually believe 
in freedom of speech, even though they claim to be the stalwart defenders of the Constitution. They just want to be free to lie to you without anything making it tougher for them to convince you of those lies. And in this case, the Republican Party wants to understand what they're saying, legally force private businesses whose rights normally they defend. They want to force private businesses like Facebook and Twitter to allow them to lie to you with no consequences. I thought they were about deregulating business. I thought they were about getting government out of the business of private industry. So to them, every time someone interrupts their lies with reality, we are infringing on their right to be ignorant of reality. This is the delusional backwards perspective that they bring to the table on this issue. Now, as far as Section 230 is concerned, I don't know. I mean, this is a bigger topic, but if you repeal Section 230, you would probably see at least some of these social media companies be stricter police officers, so to speak, of what is published to their platforms because they would be more cautious about possibly having consequences themselves about untrue or defamatory information being posted by individuals on their platform. So this is a bigger topic. And, and you know, after the election, uh, when things hopefully calm down, we'll have actual maybe intellectual property attorneys on to talk about it. But there's actually a chance that repealing Section 230, which Trump has been talking about, may not be so good for the Republican lies that they are looking to spread uh, un unfettered for lack of a better term. But that's a bigger conversation, which we will we will certainly have. Let me know your thoughts. I'm on Twitter at D Pacman. Later today, I will be addressing a, a few. Uh, there have been some questions that a lot of people have been asking me. One is, David, you criticize Trump a lot on covid. But what would Biden what should Biden have done differently? I will address that. I've been getting messages from people saying, David, election day is it. Why should ballots be counted after Election Day? Well, if they've been sent by Election Day, they should be counted. And I will get into that a little bit later today. Uh, and I will also take some of your calls via discord at davidpackmancom slash discord. That's D I S C O R D. Great program. The last Friday show before the election. The David Pakman Show at davidpackman.com. If you love feeding your intellectual curiosity, but you're always struggling to find the time, check out one of my all time favorite apps called Blinkist. Blinkist lets you consume an entire book on your way home from work. They take thousands of popular nonfiction books, condense each one into text or audio that you can get through in just 15 minutes and you get all of the important core ideas and information from that book. It's perfect if you don't have enough time to do all the reading you want to do, or if you just want to sample a book before you buy the entire thing. I recently read A Brief History of Time, of course, by the great Stephen Hawking. This is a book that I have been aware of for so long and other things got in the way, and it was fantastic to check it out on Blinkist. Blinkist has books on politics, philosophy, science. They have 27 different nonfiction categories and a subscription is only about eight bucks a month and you get access to the entire library. But you can try it totally free and get 25 percent off a subscription when you go to Blinkist.com slash Pacman. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T 
com slash Pacman. The David Pacman Show at davidpacman.com. All right, let's uh, let's hear from some people in the audience. This is the last opportunity before next week's election. Want to see what's on people's minds, of course, now uh, using the David Pacman Show discord server, which you can find at davidpacman.com slash discord and lots of great conversation happening there. Otherwise, let's first go to. Uh, let's go to Ali from Detroit. Ali from Detroit, you were on. Uh, what's going on there? What's on your mind today? Ali from Detroit, please unmute and you can talk to me. Sorry, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Oh, so I'm a big fan. Thank you. I'm glad. Uh, I was calling today because I I wanted to ask, like, what do you think about the filibuster? And what's the likelihood that that will actually get repealed under like a Biden administration? Because I have my doubts that that the filibuster will even will even be gone. But I uh, I have the same doubts I have seen. So on on expanding the court, I now feel very strongly Joe Biden should do it. I don't buy the slippery slope arguments. I think it's completely warranted given the way Republicans have dealt with the Supreme Court over the last four years. I think it's time and I don't buy, as I mentioned in a commentary earlier this week, that every president then now is going to expand the court on the filibuster. I've seen better arguments for both sides, but I think the arguments will be moot because I, like you, don't really think Joe Biden's going to going to push for it. Oh, OK. Um. Oh, and another thing I was going to ask you is, um, so do you think we could actually like make a progressive movement through a Biden administration? Because I feel like after hearing AOC talk earlier this week and saying how she's planning to lobby him towards her agenda when it comes to uh, fracking, I just kind of have my doubts that she'll even or that anything like that will get done. Well, remember, Uh, Joe Biden's Joe Biden's idea, you know, Trump has made this big deal out of Joe said he would ban fracking and then Joe said he wouldn't. Biden's actual plan is to put us on a path to get to 100 percent renewables, which would simply phase out fracking. And everybody's focused on is Biden going to try to pass a law to make it illegal in six months? No, he's not going to do that in either case. The point is a framework where we get away from fracking anyway. And so I don't see AOC's position as completely antithetical to Biden's anyway. The point is, will will he have the Senate and what can he actually get through as a result of that? I think it's less about his ambitions than whether it's actually feasible with the Senate. Okay, Um, you know, that's that's all I had to ask you today. I'm a big fan. I'm glad I got to talk to you. All right. Um, Ali from Detroit. Appreciate hearing from you. Thank you so much. Um, Let's go. Let's go next to um, let's go to Lucas from Copenhagen, one of my favorite cities in the world. Lucas, how is Copenhagen these days? Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'm half I'm half German, half Danish. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm mixed. So I'm, um, I'm wondering what your take is on the whole COVID thing here in Europe. I mean, we're really in the second wave now. 
and uh whole germany is talking about like a mini lockdown or like yeah. uh yeah wave breaking thing i just want to know what what your take is on that and uh, whether you think fine uh, like a lockdown would be would be would be a good choice well, listen, I, I would I simply defer. I it would be inappropriate for me to say whether I think a lockdown would be good. What matters is what do the public health experts in each country say? Spain is experiencing this. France is experiencing this. One thing that's important to remember as we compare what's going on in the US to what's going on in Europe is that uh, we are getting to wave three. Now, I know that you can say wave one never really ended in the US because we never got below 20,000 cases a day. But the point is, we had dips and we had a spike at thirty five thousand, a spike at seventy thousand. And now we're having, you know, even eighty thousand cases in a day. So any comp direct comparisons between the US and Europe, first of all, need to be per capita. But secondly, you guys actually suppressed the second wave all summer. You're only getting the second wave now. We're already on wave three. And so I think that we should all be careful to be making any direct comparisons because you're we're on we're one wave ahead of you and hopefully you will never have a third wave. That would be the hope of of taking measures now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and I had another question. Um, so I, had, I heard this. Uh, I saw this video from uh, John Stossel. I don't know if you know him. I do and, know who um, he is. Yeah. 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 He's a bit controversial, right? Yeah. And he he had a video where he talked about like a human challenge trial where uh, volunteers would would be um, injected with COVID. Um, you think that's like any uh, that will be an option or you think that that should be strictly forbidden by government? Yeah. So this is a big medical ethics topic, which is if you really want to be sure a vaccine works or a treatment works, you do a challenge trial, which is you actually rather than waiting around to see how many people get infected, you actually try to infect them. It's a big medical ethics topic. I would lead leave it to the public health experts and medical ethicists. It, it wouldn't I would have nothing substantive to add other than to say this is not John Stossel's idea. The idea of challenge trials has been around a really long time. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I mean, all uh, right, my friend. Great. By the way, yeah. have, have you ever been to a place in uh, a Copenhagen called Fisk Bar. Fisk Bar? No, no, I haven't. All right, it's, I recommend the fish and chips there if you make it. Okay, cool. Yeah, All right, very good, good to hear. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. Great to hear from you. Um, let's see where else we want to go today. Uh, there's just all sorts of different people here. Um, let's go. Oh, I want to hear from uh, from Brooklyn. Let's go to Mo from Brooklyn. Mo, how are things there? I was seeing some of my Brooklyn friends posting videos of double lines around voting buildings like the line goes around once and then there's it's like a concentric line around that. Yes, absolutely. It is really uh, I'm happy to see so many people waiting in line. I mean, recently, a few days ago, I actually voted in Brooklyn, yes. Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn College, and the line was pretty big. I make sure to get it kind of around where the polling place is closed. Yes, because I knew that, that turnout wouldn't be would kind of go away near the end. You know, people are leaving and it was um, it was a cool thing. Now you're talking Brooklyn College. Is that you're talking about like uh, near Borough Hall, right? Near Borough Hall? Not exactly. Oh, OK. It's on Campus Road near at the near Flatbush. Oh, Avenue. I'm thinking of Brooklyn Law School. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Flatbush. Okay. Yeah. So in that neighborhood right now, are things are things relatively open or is there still stuff that's shuttered altogether? 
Oh no, things are very open. Very things open. Are, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they obviously are operating very safely. Of course. But things are open nonetheless. But I actually didn't have a question. I just want to tell you something. Please. Is that is that your repetition of telling people to vote? Mm. It it has worked on me. Really? See, I was I was in New York, and of course, Biden is going to win New York in a landslide. Yes. But because I'm a I'm on the David Pakman subreddit. I'm, I'm on Reddit a lot, a lot of right. left-leaning subreddits. And I hear, you know, I see a lot of memes posted about vo- uh, voting. For example, on the Stephen Kenneth Destiny Bunnell, the second subreddit, on the Vosh subreddit, and on the Dave- David Pakman subreddit. Right. And seeing all these memes has actually convinced me to go vote. So this is actually something – and this is something that Trump actually – knows is that if you say so, if you, like repetition is important when delivering a message yes to make i sure prefer it really to repeat truths head. rather than lies but it is true that repetition works i think we should repeat truths like everybody should vote rather than lies but yes i think trump and i both understand that yes and that's what i want to say man all right well i'm glad you voted let's hope for a blowout in new york i believe we will get it Yes, absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. Great to hear from you. Um, we are hearing from people via discord at davidpackmancom slash discord. Let's go to Liz in Salt Lake City. Uh, I don't know that we get too many callers from Utah. Liz, tell me what's going on there. And you please do set you to do not disturb. I'm already before even hearing you hearing your discord bleeping and blapping. So please set that to do not disturb. And I would love to hear from you. Hey, David. Hello. Hey. Hey, um, so I'm calling in from Salt Lake and I was just curious, what are the chances that Donald Trump and his family will be uh, prosecuted after leaving office? I think it's very low. I, I do believe that there's a good chance that there's going to be all sorts of uh, investigation and maybe even settlements or fines for Donald Trump's businesses. I really don't see criminal charges coming for the Trump family. It's not the way this country has operated. I'm not saying it shouldn't. I'm just saying I don't expect it to happen. OK, um, and I've got one more question for you. Um, what are the chances that uh, Don Jr. is going to run for office in the future and you know, what state do you think will accept him and make that a reality, an unfortunate reality that he might run in the future? Well, uh, what do you mean? What state will accept him? Like, uh, where does he have a chance of running? Will he get like a second home and become a resident of like Alabama or something? Oh, you're saying he's you're, but would he be running for president or for Senate? Uh, Senate, maybe oh. like a governor working his way to the White House. <laughs> he seems ambitious, especially. You oh, know, he does. The speech is. And how he supports his dad. So I was just curious, like, who will accept him? And do you think he has a future in politics? I don't see it, but I, you know, I think he's pretty self-serving. And I think, I think at this point we would be naive to say he has no future. And in fact, when I talk about the importance of removing Trump now, if we don't, I think that 2024 much more naturally leads to a Trump kid running for something. And so as as much as it is important to vote Trump out now for the sake of the world, it's important to vote Trump out now to not allow one of the kids an easier path in 2024. I think that if it listen, if the Republican Party voted for Trump in the Republican primary, 
they would potentially vote for Don Jr. as well. And we've got to make sure we don't we don't make that any easier for them. Hello. Okay. All right. Uh, Liz is gone, I guess. So very, very good. Uh, Important question. Very, very important question. Let me go next to Cooper from Texas. Cooper from Texas. Tell me what's going on there. Holy crap, David, we're purple. You guys oh are purple. Goodness. I know. Yeah. Per- Texas is in play. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm I'm not very old, but from my parents and, and even my grandfather and grandmother never would have thought that Texas would be in the state it's in right now. Now, I think we want to be realistic. You know, it's not if if Biden, w- I think Biden does not win Texas in the end. But the fact that it's this close is incredible. And you know what? Maybe he will win. It'll, it'll be a historic blowout. We just don't know yet. But everybody mm-hmm. has to vote. Um, I really wanted to uh, ask you to because exp- uh, I remember in your last video, you remarked to some extent that you said um, you're more for expanding the court now that you've ever been. Yes. Could you could you expand on that some more? Because I'm I'm very on the fence about something like that. OK, so I did a segment earlier this week on it, which has not yet or which w- is is on YouTube. By the time this call goes live, it will be on YouTube. But you've obviously not seen it yet. Uh, One of the main arguments against expanding the court from the right is that it's somehow oppressive, undemocratic, unconstitutional. The reality is, despite losing the popular vote in six of the last seven presidential elections, Republicans have selected the overwhelming uh, 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 majority of recent picks to the court. That's not democratic. Number two, many presidents have added or reduced uh, seats on the Supreme Court. So it's not a historical. And number three, there's this slippery slope argument that if Biden adds some seats, the next president will add seats, the next president will add seats, the next president will will add seats. The reality is you need the White House, the House and the Senate to do it. That in itself reduces the uh, opportunity for it to happen. And I don't believe the public would accept expanding the Supreme Court indefinitely. I believe in 2021, if Joe Biden wins and Democrats take the Senate, the public will understand the travesty that has happened over the last four years and they will be okay with expanding the court. I don't buy the slippery slope argument. So I am now very strongly for it. Okay. And and just one last thing and I'll, I'll give up, I'll give up the airtime. Uh, what do you think um, the chances are of yes. another Trump electoral victory if if he were to, let's say, cut Biden's leads across the board by like three points, something insane like that. If Biden's lead drops by three by Election Day, I think Trump's shot at an electoral victory becomes effectively 50 50. OK, yeah. All right. Thank you. Appreciate All right. It, man. My pleasure. Great to hear from you. Uh, Let's take a quick break. Uh, If you're holding on to talk to me, don't hang up because we are going right back to the phones after this short break. The David Pakman Show at DavidPakman.com. For a limited time, our sponsor, Pure VPN, is offering you a huge 86% discount on a subscription, which comes out to only about $1.50 per month. Pure VPN makes you anonymous when you're browsing online, and you can trust them because they're the only VPN in the industry with an always on third party audit to verify that your internet activity is not being logged. By hiding your IP address, Pure VPN keeps you safe from hackers 
and prevents you from being spied on by your Internet service provider, social media companies and even government surveillance. It also lets you watch shows and movies that aren't available in your country. Pure VPN is super fast. You can use it on all of your devices. And I can tell you firsthand, the app is really easy to use. And they have 6,500 servers across the world, which is more than any other VPN in the industry. Everyone should be using a VPN when connecting to the Internet. And now is the perfect time to start because Pure VPN is giving you an 86% discount on a subscription, which comes out to only about a dollar fifty per month. Go to davidpackman.com slash pure VPN. That's davidpackman.com slash P U R E VPN. The link is in the podcast notes. Welcome back to the David Pakman Show. We are uh, taking a tour of the country, really of the world, hearing from different folks via Discord at davidpackman.com slash Discord. Um, we are going to go next to uh, Rob from Virginia. Rob from Virginia, what is going on with you? Rob from Virginia, you are on with the opportunity to talk to me. If you unmute yourself and configure a mic, I would love to hear from you. And Rob from Virginia, last opportunity and Rob is gone. Let's instead go to Ryan from Massachusetts. Ryan from Massachusetts, you are on. Oh, my God. No way. You actually picked me. Um, we, anyway, you I'm, won. I'm a- I'm a huge fan of the videos, and uh, I just had a question on the Hunter Biden scandal. Mm-hmm. So I wanted your thoughts on that. If you thought it was just a big whole sham, um, if because I watched some of the interview with uh, Tucker Carlson, yep, and uh, one of uh, Biden's uh, uh, Hunter Biden's associates, Tony, yep. I forget his name, Bobolinsky. No, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. So I just wanted your thoughts on that. If you thought it was um, like a big scam, just like how in 2016 with Hillary and Russia and all that, I wanted uh, I was wondering if you thought it was like the same thing. So listen, the uh, I, I am sure that by mere chance, there are some assertions that have been made by Rudy, the New York Post, Bobolinsky, you know, whatever. I'm sure that there are some aspects and they could be relatively innocuous that are true about some of this. But understand that the story starts with the idea that we learned about this because Hunter Biden flew across the country to have three laptops repaired by a legally blind guy who, despite admitting he didn't actually see Hunter Biden because he's right. legally blind, a Bo Biden Foundation sticker on the laptop makes him sure it was Hunter Biden. And the guy, yeah. when Hunter Biden never picked up the laptops he flew across the country to have repaired, uh, accessed the private emails and then gave them to the FBI. I mean, you know, it's it's outrageous. And I so I, I, you know, if you say, did Hunter Biden was he really working with Burisma? It's like, OK, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. But it the story they are telling is such obvious desperation. Everybody who's tried to corroborate it can't do it. It's wacky. 
I know. I was just wondering if you thought like people would actually like believe that and that could have an effect on the election. And so t there's two questions polls. there. Do people believe it? Yes. There are people on the Trump side who are convinced about it. Is oh, it yeah, going to affect the election? I really don't think so. I really don't. This is an election that is so qualitative in what's going on. It's about the pandemic. It's about the economy. I don't think this is at all like the Hillary's email story, which really did get some uh, some some uh, yeah, a hold. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for answering that. Um, I just oh, man, I forget my other question now. Well, your first um, one was so good. You I, w I would go out on top if I were you. OK. Yeah. Um, rather than risking an inferior question. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> All right. Let, I'm going to help you, my friend. I really appreciate the call and I hope to hear from you again. All right. Thank you, thank so, you so much. much. Yeah. He was going to go and then end up going out lower and we don't want that. So uh, I think we're, we're going to keep it going this way. Let's go to Teresa from Austria. Teresa, <coughs> what is going on there? Hi, David. Can you hear me? I can. I, I think we had a problem connecting last time you called in, but now you're coming in crystal clear. Yes, I was. I am usually not a Discord user, and I just downloaded it for uh, the vice presidential election. Right. So I was, yeah. Um, I actually um, pretty much want to give you guys a heads up. Um, I'm really nervous for you <laughs> um, when it comes to the election. Mm -hmm. Um. And actually, I wanted to ask, do you see an end for the Electoral College at any given point? Because I feel like um, due to the Electoral College, uh, the whole um, idea of democracy is kind of at risk yes. and is really susceptible for corruption. I think Amy Coney Barrett is very corrupt. I think the whole Trump administration is, to be frank. Of course. Um, in my opinion, Pence is just a robot or a puppy to Trump. So from an outstanding point, it looks really bad what's going on. Yeah, well, listen, the what you're the Republican Party wins elections because of the Electoral College. So they don't want yeah. to get rid of it. If we had popular vote in the United States, we would have had fewer Republican presidents. So the Republican Party is going to fight to the death to keep the Electoral College. I think the best chance to get rid of it is through something called the National Popular uh, Vote Interstate Compact. I won't go into it now, but it's basically if enough states decide to go popular vote in terms of awarding their Elect electoral votes, you de facto have a national popular vote. Um, but I think that it will be very difficult to get rid of the Electoral College any other way. Even that way, it will be difficult, but we should get rid of it. It is outdated and it is anti-democratic. Yeah. And we're allowed to vote with uh, 16 years of age in Austria. So I think that would actually turn around this election a lot because I feel like the very young voters yeah. would have such a big outcome in this election or in any election, actually. I agree with you. Teresa, what part of Austria are you in? I live in lower Austria. I'm actually just like 20 minutes away from Vienna. OK, I was scheduled to be in Austria in August this past August. There's a oh, beautiful damn, new so beautiful. nonstop flight from Boston to Vienna, which has now been canceled because of the virus. Yeah. It all exploded, but I was going to be in Vienna. I was going to be in Salzburg. I was so looking forward to it. It'll have to be Salzburg. some other time. I love Boston, too. I was in O'Pair, Massachusetts, actually. Oh, no way. And I, I loved it. It's far more European than what I would have thought. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. That's yeah. especially what we say to Texans. We're very European in Boston and they they just think <laughs> we're, sure we're assholes, you know. All right, Teresa, <laughs> thank you so much. Great to hear from you. Thank you for taking my call. <laughs> my pleasure. All right. Teresa from Austria. What a day. What a day. Let's go to Scott from Trenton. Scott from Trenton. What is on your mind? Hi, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Excellent. I just wanted to know, um, coming from, uh, I'm from Canada, and I'm just wondering how you have 40% of the population who, who actually supports Donald Trump. And what do you think that they're going to do, say, when Biden wins? <laughs> so this is Trenton, Ontario. Is that what's going on? Yes. Uh, OK, I, I couldn't see it. I assumed it was maybe uh, New Jersey. It would be right. There's a Trenton in New Jersey, I think. In any case, listen, I understand your shock and amazement that, you know, tens of millions of people in this country are voting for Donald Trump. I have raised this issue many times. If Biden wins and let's not assume, but if Biden wins, what happens to those 60 million people in the interim period between Election Day and Inauguration Day? I believe there's a real possibility that they become violent, including with firearms. Beyond that, I don't know what happens. You know, they uh, I think a lot of them are going to pretend like they never really supported Trump. Some of them may split off into some kind of QAnon conspiracy rabbit hole that maybe at some point will become a more formal political movement. It's very, very difficult to say, but they're going to be here and we're going to have to deal with it as a country. And I don't know exactly how we do that. Yeah, I, I, I just I watch your show or listen to your show all the time, and I, I'm just genuinely concerned that um, that the U.S. Has, has withdrawn its role as being the leader of the free world. And, yes. Um, what's what's going to happen? Like, I just don't know how it proceeds or progresses from here. I don't know either. I'm just, so what I'm trying to do is to take it step by step. Have I voted? Yes. Okay, I did that. Uh, next, let's see what happens on Tuesday, and then we'll continue to to make plans after that. Yeah. Hey, well, big fan. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Great to hear from you very, very much. Let's go next to Stephanie Paul from Paris, France, one of my favorite places in the world. Stephanie, I'm so jealous of you. Oh, thank you very much, David. Um, I've been listening to the show for uh, quite, I think, about two years now. So it's uh, it's absolutely fascinating. Thank you. Uh, the question I wanted to ask you is, how on earth did Amy Coney Barrett actually get elected or put into her position? Because in 2016, I think, when Barack Obama wanted to do the same thing, the Republicans blocked him or at least didn't want it to happen. And Barack Obama seemed to have just been like, oh, OK, I won't do it then. <laughs> yeah, was he it, being does, too it nice, does seem that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it's bizarre. No, you're you are. This is perfect because you're getting exactly it's like what what exactly happened? Like they got away with it. They clear they came up with a, the Republicans in the Senate came up with a bogus reason to block Merrick Garland in 2016. And then now. They said, oh, that explanation, that doesn't really matter. And with a week to go before the election, they confirm Amy Coney Barrett. It's it's a travesty. And this is why uh, Joe Biden, if elected and if Democrats take the Senate, 
should expand the Supreme Court, period, mm. full stop. That's it. But your 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 despondency over what happened is accurate. But he they they can't get her out of power now that she is actually in it. She could be is impeached. She could be impeached theoretically, oh, okay. but that never happens, you know. D'accord. OK, yeah. perfect. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to speak with you, Stephanie. Wait before you go. So it sounds so it sounds like from your accent, you're French, but you learned English in the UK. Is that correct? Um, I'm I'm half and half, actually. Yes. Wow. And what is Paris so like the these best days? Of both words or the worst of both words? How is um, Paris? At yeah. the moment, it's a little bit sad, actually. There's a lot of um, uh, a lot of uh, confusion as to uh, what are the new rules going to be? Are we going to have a lockdown? Right. Are we going to have a lockdown just for the weekend? That's one of the ideas that has been floated. Um, at the moment, there is a sense of uh, a lack of control. Yeah. But at the same time, I think Macron has done, uh, in my personal opinion, a better job than many other leaders. Yes. I'm not 100% sure how or why the virus is propagating as much as it has and is doing now. Um, but uh, I am amazed that we, France has uh, is unfortunately going through such an increase in numbers that we're seeing. We had 500 uh, plus deaths today, potentially. Uh, yeah. We have been having numbers in the 48,000, uh, which is unprecedented. We didn't even have this at the height of the lockdown uh, right. a few months ago. So it's very worrying. There's a real sense of uh, fatigue and uh, stress. But, you know, Parisians will continue to be Parisians. Uh, C'est la vie. Paris sera toujours Paris. Voilà. Right. And let, listen, let me ask you this. When I when I go uh, to Paris, I often will stay in the area of Belleville or Republique. Are that's those actually that's are those actually respectable that's neighborhoods? Where I live. That's where you live. Beautiful. That's, and let yeah, me ask you this. Have you ever been to a restaurant? I believe it is called Ravioli Chinois du Nord Est. Uh, of course. Yes. Is, can you tell, ones, please actually. tell the audience, there are no better dumplings than at that restaurant. Is that correct? It, they are fabulous. And actually, there's a, it's a run by a family. Yes. And they make all the dumplings fresh during the day. Right. There is a set number of dumplings made. When they're finished, they're finished. So, you know, it opens at 7.30 p.m. sharp, and all the dumplings are gone by maybe 10.30 now, let me ask you one other question. Yeah. Do you get the dumplings steamed or grilled? You can choose. No, no, no. I'm, I know. Uh, that. I know. I'm asking. It. What do you do? Ah, what do me you do? Personally, um, I really like the that's the water, the boiled dumplings. Ah, OK. I tend to yeah. go more for grilled, but that's OK. It's not ah. a huge point of disagreement. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I, uh, I lived in northern China for a long time, and that's how we uh, that's how we would have them there. That's fair. Yeah. The grill does not seem authentic Chinese, but I do like it. Stephanie, I so appreciate hearing from you today. Thank you so much, David. Have All a right. good day to you. You too. Wow. Wow. Things happening in Paris. What a what a tragedy that I am not there. Uh, let's go next to Nick from Ohio. Nick from Ohio. What's going on? David, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, my friend. It's a, such a pleasure to speak to you. I'm such a big fan of beta male and plasma and all your other work. Plasma's huge right now. <laughs> hey, so I've been pretty upset recently with um, how Democrats, Pelosi, Schumer, how they're dealing with um, Amy Coney Barrett. I, I heard Nancy talk on a show. Maybe you heard this clip 
she said she was asked by I forget who it was CNN MSNBC something she was saying we have arrows in our quiver to stop ACB from going through yeah to stop this you know unjust justice from happening I I, I watched closely after that to see you know we we have heard you talk about it on your show people talk about it on other shows like impeaching Barr impeaching Trump again holding quorums and forums anything anything to take precedent over putting in Amy Coney Barrett. So I'm wondering what, how, as, as, a, as a young person in this, coming into this new election, how am I supposed to have a trust in these democratic leaders to, to, to hold true to their words, to actually take action when it counts? I, I just, I can't be the only one feeling just incredibly disheartened, disheartened and disappointed. Well, that's, that's uh, exactly, this is, a, this is a great question. Basically, th this is why we shouldn't deify any politician. We shouldn't believe any politician is going to do the things they say they're going to do. And there are people who will strategically apply that. Oh, Bernie supporters say Biden won't really do the stuff he says or Republicans say, well, uh, uh, Trump, the things that he says he's going to do that are bad. He's not really or what, whatever. This is the uh -huh. whole point. We need to just think about our vote as a tool to try to get something from our elected officials and to have a plan to hold them accountable. Democrats blustered about we might be able to block it this way or that. Now, in their defense, most Democrats said, I don't think we have the votes to stop it. That was that was the reality. And that, that was true. Uh, but right. you're absolutely right that everybody wants to pretend to be all powerful. And in the end, it's a, you know, a repetition of the status quo. So. We can't change everything overnight, but all we can do is who can we vote for that will accomplish something that moves things in the way we want to see. And then we make another decision. And as Barack Obama said, and then you vote again and then you vote again. But you're completely right. The deification of anybody as completely trustworthy as a politician, whether it's Trump or Biden or Tulsi or Yang or whoever, you know, that, that's that. No, that's not the way we should be approaching approaching the political world. And uh, you you seem to have figured that out astutely. Well, so great. Well, I have one other quick thing to add to that. I, I saw that there was a rule that the House, the Democratic House or something, there's some kind of law where two of the members had to be present for the Senate uh, uh, pr process to even go through. Yeah. And of course, of course, Mitch just waived that because yes. the Democrats could have just chose to not, com uh, you know, be complicit at all. In right. So, so I, you know, when those when that rule of law starts getting, I just hope that that we can find a way to hold these people accountable. And and you know, there's the subreddit keep track. There's all these different ways that we can keep track of all the the the, the minutia, the, the the small ways in which uh, our democracy is being dismantled. So so yeah, well, thank you, David. I really appreciate you taking the call, and I'm a huge fan, man. Thank you. So appreciate it. Love the energy. Uh, great talking to folks. We will go to a break and we will take calls again, but it's going to be after the election. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. The David Pakman Show depends on your support, and the easiest way is through membership, which includes the world famous bonus show, as well as commercial free audio and video streams of the show. Just for members, sign up today at joinpacman.com. Coupon code saves you 40%. Vote soon 18. The David Pacman Show at davidpacman.com.
All right, let's get into audience questions for the week. Uh, just days left until the election. Many election related questions, including first and foremost, David, I've heard you criticize Donald Trump's response to the virus, and I agree with you. It has been terrible. But if Joe Biden becomes president in January, what should he do then that Donald Trump has not done? So two part question. First of all, is the vast majority of the things that should have been done should have been done previously. And this includes establishing contact tracing early on, building testing capacity early on the way that South Korea did, telling the truth early on about the seriousness of the virus. A lot of these things, in other words, most people now understand the seriousness of the virus. There's less to do on that front, although you still have a lot of Trump's followers who don't believe it. It would be great to have to have a president in who tells the truth. but. There is no question that the time to do things was 2020, not 2021, which is when Joe Biden will actually get to do something. Now, by January 21st, hopefully we would start to be on the other side of spike number three, which is building right now. Hopefully by January 21st, there will already be some people vaccinated and more people getting vaccinated every day. So the things that Joe Biden will have to sort of think about or contend with will be number one, restoring our public health officials who are actually infectious disease specialists to positions where they are speaking to the country. Dr. Anthony Fauci was removed from that position by Trump and blocked from doing interviews and so on and so forth. He put in neuroradiologist Scott Atlas, who wants herd immunity and questions masks and whatever else. So we've got to change who is publicly speaking to the country from the standpoint of public health. Stop lying about the virus constantly. Get a stimulus bill done if indeed we need one January 21st. And that's something that a President Biden would have to look at. Evaluate whether the request for mask mandates should be made. Remember, the the consensus constitutionally seems to be that a president cannot federally mandate everybody wear a mask. There would be two ways to do it. One is a president would say to all 50 governors, hey, guys and gals, please do mask mandates. If we all do this for six weeks, we will dramatically reduce the spread. It would be up to governors to do it or work with Congress so that through the Commerce Clause, co Congress can regulate commerce in such a way that would allow some kind of mask mandate. But a president unilaterally doing it doesn't appear as though they can do it. This is the way it would have to be done. Biden's going to have to evaluate the situation if and when he gets sworn in and go from there. You know, things like a national contact tracing system, the, the unfortunate reality, it, it would be great to do it. The unfortunate reality is that contact tracing, once you have overwhelming community spread, where even relatively rural parts of the country have a huge number of cases, contact tracing becomes less important at a at a systemic public health level. It should still be done. But again, the time to do it was in February and March. Um, increase transparency on the numbers because now many people don't trust the numbers um, actually work with other countries as opposed to saying we're blocking China, we're blocking Europe, everybody that Americans get blocked from going places actually start to work with other countries on a coordinated response, planning for what things will start to look like as we can hopefully at some point next year 
begin to loosen travel guidelines, so on and so forth. Assure us of the safety of the vaccine in a trustworthy way. As you all know, without being anti vax, anybody who has followed the lies of Trump would be skeptical about saying on Trump's say so that a vaccine is safe. So there are lots of things to be done, but we also have to recognize that we, we talk about climate change, irreversible damage. And when someone else comes in, they have to start trying to clean up a situation that was worsened, not under their watch. A lot of the things on coronavirus had to be done when Australia did them, when New Zealand did them, when South Korea did them, when Taiwan did them, Bangladesh, et cetera. Um, by the time Joe Biden is in office, those things aren't the things anymore. And it will be about figuring out going forward how to restore trustworthiness and a sense of professionalism to the White House in its coronavirus response. And it's going to be an uphill battle. There's no doubt about it. But every day, every day we wait is another day. Trump's federal government pushes us in the wrong direction. David, I understand voting by mail, but why should states accept ballots after Election Day? After all, Election Day is Election Day. Fair question. Let's assume you're asking it in good faith. The uh, the population that wants to vote should be allowed to vote up until Election Day. And if you want to vote absentee, you should be allowed to do it. So the only possible correct solution is as long as your ballot has been sent by Election Day, it should count. And in particular, when you think so, before I go further, if the ballot has to be received by Election Day, as is the rule in some states, and I disagree with it, you really only have until if you assume it could take four days for the ballot to be delivered. You really only have until October 30th, the 31st to vote. But Election Day is November 3rd. Why should you be denied by four days? when you can send in your ballot if you are still able to do it before Election Day by Election Day, you should be allowed to do it. Now, on top of that, when you recognize the way in which the Postal Service has been attacked by Donald Trump's postmaster general, he now says that he's not doing any more stuff. Do we trust it? Do we not? Listen, there's just questions. We don't want votes to be able to be disqualified just because the Postal Service delays the mail. If the ballot is postmarked by November 3rd, that is what should matter. Now, if you want to be really cynical, the post office could, as they gather the ballots on November 2nd and November 3rd, wait until November 4th and postmark them then and get them disqualified that way. We're now talking about a more sort of uh, 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 invasive level of of suppression, but there is really no good reason for which you should not have your vote counted as long as you send it by Election Day. We have a pandemic expecting more vote by mail than ever. We're already seeing it. We've already seen by some reports more than 60 million votes already cast could be close to half of the total electorate. It's unbelievable numbers. We want to make sure these votes are counted. And if you vote by November 3rd, it should be counted. One last thought. Not only are we going to see more vote by mail than ever before, we are going to see a lot of new voters voting for the first time by mail. Some mistakes are going to be made. And I believe that we should as if we have the goal not of being ticky tacky and figuring out ways to disqualify ballots, which is what Republicans want to do. What I want to do is 
we should do everything we can to get as many people as possible legally voting. We want time for people who make mistakes on their ballots to be notified and to be able to resubmit or decide to go in in person. And I know that that'll sound weird to a lot of people who want to be very, very litigious and regimented and strict father morality sort of approach. If we believe that democracy is best served by high voter participation, and I do believe that, then we should be doing everything we can to get as many people to successfully vote, period. And if you believe that, you, of course, should be allowing every vote to be counted that is postmarked by Election Day. OK, another question that came in. Um, if Trump loses to Biden in a few days, how will Trump Trump is justify it? This is a great question because you have, you know, just look at our YouTube comments. Look at the emails and tweets that I get. David, you're going to cry on Election Day when Joe Biden loses. Trump's got this thing wrapped up. Biden has no chance. Trump's going to win easily. All of this different stuff. And I am not saying anything other than the polls look good for Biden, but it could go either way. So I, I have taken a position that is based on the facts. No Trumpist can know that Donald Trump is going to win. And indeed, if Donald Trump loses, they're not going to say, hey, you know what? Biden ran the better campaign and more people wanted Biden to win. Biden won. That's not what Trumpists are going to say. They have such cognitive dissonance that you are going to see them come up with things you can imagine and things you can't imagine. Some Trumpists, if Biden wins, will say Biden cheated. And by cheated, they might mean stuff with absentee ballots. They might mean uh, manipulating voting machines. They who, Facebook, who knows what? But Biden cheated is going to be one story that we are going to hear. Um, OK, Biden won but only because of the fake news media that promoted him at every opportunity. You're going to see a lot of that. People going after the media saying the media helped Joe Biden win. You were going to hear Biden didn't really win. Trump didn't really lose, not from the standpoint of cheating, but from the standpoint of it is just a fake story. Trump really won, even though it's being reported that Joe Biden won. You're going to see some of that. You will then see it's sort of like a, a the the five stages of grief, a denial, anger, bargaining, dabda, denial, angle, D, what's D, the depression and then acceptance. You will start to see some people say Trump didn't want to win anyway. Trump didn't. They're going to be rationalizing it. Trump did. Trump had his four years. He didn't have to do this. He had a great life beforehand. He's a rich guy. Now he's going to go and make America great by starting some TV network or who knows what. You are going to see that absolutely for sure. And then you are also going to see some people who say COVID. Trump's already been laying the groundwork for it, saying we had a gr the greatest economy. I had great popularity. And then the virus hit. The plague came in from China, as Donald Trump says. And while if Trump had handled it properly, he would be sailing to reelection. We've seen when a world leader deals with the virus well, they sail to reelection. Look at Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand as an example. Trump could have done that, but you will see people say, hundred year pandemic just got hit with the plague, and that is why Donald Trump lost. Otherwise, he would have won. It doesn't really count as a loss, they will say. I want to hear from you. What other explanations? Are we going to hear from Trumpists and some we won't hear anything from because they will disappear. We, we will never hear from them again. They will get off 
the social media retweeting of fake news. They will stop doing all. They're just going to disappear. We're never going to the ones that are really just embarrassed are going to disappear. Many will come up with excuses. Let me know what you think those excuses will be. We have a great bonus show for you today. The last Friday bonus show before the 2020 election, Senate election, congressional election, presidential election, many ballot measures, local races, so much. Friday bonus show today. And then it is election week. I will see you then.